like data. Gotcha. Well, then, I mean, let's just roll with this and see what we can do afterward. <clears throat> okay. Any ideas how to start it? Um. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what are you drinking? I am actually got the good old Buffalo Trace that I haven't been able to have in like nine months. So that is my dream. What about I, you? I finished my Buffalo way too quickly, and I'm I'm having the Bullet Bourbon, and I did not remember it being this rough. <laughs> you know, the Buffalo is better than what I remember it as, but where I'm at now is more expensive than normal, so it's almost like a treat whiskey now. So, yeah, I don't. We'll I don't, just we'll keep you away from the Jack, and everything will be good. Yeah, the the last couple Jacks I had have not been good. <laughs> But, Buddy, you're going to realize one of these days that none of them are. Uh, you know what? I'll keep trying because it, it, it hits nice on the pocketbook. I, I know you will. Well, what are, we, what are we talking about today? All right, so we're going to go ahead on the Beirut blast that happened earlier this week, August, mm-hmm. what was it, 4th of 2020. Yeah, um, that sounds right. It is massive worldwide. Um, I don't think there's a person on the planet that hasn't seen videos, dozens of videos showing the blast. Um, it kind of took everybody by awe. Uh, I right. Incredible. And, and well, and the, the videos were like, I, I mean, I, I watch plenty of garbage television and I've never seen anything like that. And you've got some good images that I'm looking at right now. And it straight up like it deleted part of this harbor. Oh, I mean, it it created a what it's what this one's showing is seventy meter crater. I think it would be interesting to see how deep it is, but it it is insane. The before and after pictures of Beirut port is is mind boggling. It's yeah, and I just by looking at the videos, I I really had no idea what I was looking at, but luckily. You, you've got some, some buddies that helped you kind of figure out what was going on. Um, so what, I mean, what caused this? Let's go through that. All right, so let's go, let's backtrack here and go back to the start of the whole thing. Um, so okay. to take us back to 2013, right? So it's been, which is kind of crazy that it's that long, but it's kind of, it kind of backtracks that far. So in September, 2013, I'm going to butcher this name, but in September 2013, a ship named Rosus. Rosus? Yep. I would you just got to send it. You yeah. got to send it. All right. Yep. So um, now here's where the kind of like the, um, what do you want to call the how do you intrigue? Uh, intrigue or conspiracy theory or something where it just starts. To, oh, hell yeah. That's our thing. Yeah. It starts to kind of just derail or starts, you know, just show a little bit of science here. So September, 2013, the Rosus, um, the Lebanese, so Beirut, if, if we didn't mention earlier, Le, uh, Beirut is in Lebanon. It's the capital city, um, mm. biggest city in Lebanon. Uh, not exactly the biggest country out there, uh, but anyways, it, the, the Lebanese, government said that in 2013 the ship had technical issues and was basically kept at port uh in the beirut port uh, and, and actually beirut's a port city like that's one of their bigger um it's incomes much, right pretty much the majority if not only their major income uh we'll talk about it okay. a little bit but their infrastructure and like 
specifically their way to feed themselves is directly mm-hmm. revolved around the port. Um, mm-hmm. So in 2013, that's what that's what the Lebanese government says. That has a technical issue, right? Now, I watched an interview of the captain. Um, he's a Russian guy, Ukrainian guy, one of those things. Um, and he claimed something different. And let me Before I tell you what he said, let me tell you why I kind of take what he says a little more truthful than what the Lebanese government says or kind of anybody else is because he got abandoned on that ship for almost nine months. Um, he abandoned by the ship's owner and quarantined or imprisoned, or however you want to look at it, by the Lebanese government on this ship. They wouldn't let him or his crew leave. Um, oh. Yeah, so he's pissed at everybody, right? So he's pissed at the Lebanese government because they fucked him and wouldn't let him leave. And he's pissed at his ship's owner because basically wouldn't pay the fine or whatever the Lebanese government wanted uh, to let him go. Uh, so here's what he says. He says that he was supposed to be sailing from – let's see. Where was he sailing from? I guess it doesn't matter at this point. He's sailing from one point. He's sailing from point A to point B. Um, but the ship yeah. was hurting on money and wanted him to go pick up some cargo in Beirut uh, to kind of you know fill the fill the ship a little bit more. And right. The Rosus is is an older ship, uh, not well maintained. Pretty pretty big rust bucket. I don't know if you saw any pictures, but fairly big rust bucket. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the ship hardly exists at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, funny thing is it, it was still in the Beirut harbor uh, right. explosion. Um, now, what, what, was this, what were they hauling? Okay, so the main cargo that they had on the ship the team, uh, at the time was ammonium nitrate, and specifically ANFO. Um, and we guess we can get that in a little bit later. Uh, but it's yeah. kind of key here is that the, he gets to Beirut, and whatever cargo was supposed to be put onto the ship – he refuses to take on the ship um, because his he he doesn't believe structurally that the ship can handle the extra weight of whatever the extra cargo was, uh, so okay. he refuses the cargo, and now Beirut port basically says, okay, now you owe us a certain amount of money to leave the port, um, and that's where kind of the quagmire becomes. The ship owner never pays up. Um, they, they're, you got the classic Mexican standoff. Who's going to pay first is, is the yeah, worst job ever. Poor guy. Yeah. So the Beirut port is refusing them to leave and the ship owner basically says, I'm not paying and eventually abandons the boat. So he just doesn't claim it. And that's how it gets there in 2013. So sometime in 20, late 2013, early 2014, I guess, I'm sorry, I guess it'd be early 2014. The Lebanese government agrees to take the cargo off of the ship now it's kind of hard to tell if it is that for collateral or is that for safety reasons because they understand that it's a uh you know explosive material um right well and the the interesting thing that that you said there is that it was anfo as opposed to ammonium nitrate um i guess you know fans of mythbusters might might recognize anfo it's an acronym, and it, it stands for ammonium nitrate and fuel oil. Um, and that's interesting. I, I didn't know that because ammonium nitrate, right, 
it's used in a lot of industries. We're going to kind of go top to bottom on that, but I didn't realize that it was ANFO, which is really only an industrial explosive, mining, quarrying. Yeah. It's not a fertilizer. It's only, it's only a blower upper. Yeah, which I don't really understand why um, the media, I know pretty much everywhere with the exception of one place is calling it ammonium nitrate as in fertilizer and not ANFO because it's completely, it's, it's completely, I mean, it's not completely different, but it's, you know, chemistry, it's, it's different, right? It, right. It's, more it's, it's a lot less benign yeah. with, with, with ammonium nitrate, right? Huge array of things that can be used for um, industrially, agriculturally, but ANFO only blows up. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So what are, uh, what are they doing with it at this point? We're in, we're in 2014. Yeah. So it gets, it goes, it gets moved into, um, a warehouse, specifically warehouse number 12, which is the one that you so astutely pointed out got deleted. Um, mm. And it just sits there. It sits there for, you know, since 2014 to 2020 until it, you know, explodes. And this is also kind of why is it sitting there for this long? There's, you know, multiple reports coming out showing, saying, you know, different inspectors have reported it and, you know, saying, hey, this is not a good thing to have here. Maybe you should move it. Um, yet the Lebanese government uh, didn't move it. So it's, we're kind of wondering why. Why didn't they move this? Right. So, well, and you had also mentioned uh, over breakfast that this currently the Lebanese government is a bit of a, a bit of a corruption carnival. Uh, I, I guess maybe that would definitely play a role into this. Yeah, it's it's massively corrupt. Um, it either, it, I mean, even without a nefarious intent, it could have just slipped through the cracks. Yeah, so that I mean, we can, you know, you have your your um, your conspiracy people saying that you know it could have been, and in, in, like you said, nefarious reasons, and or you have, you know, I'm kind of at the point more leaning to this is terrible management of hazardous material. I, I mean, mm. absolutely terrible. Um, so I'm actually, I went back here and this is where I, I have found that it was not ammonium nitrate as in um, fertilizer and ammonium uh, and ANFO, right? What, what, what's the difference again on that? Yeah, well, I guess now might be a decent time to just brush up everybody's knowledge on ammonium nitrate. Um, previously to this incident, if you had Googled it, you probably would have seen something about Timothy McVeigh, about the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, but that really doesn't scratch the surface. So the, this material itself, ammonium nitrate, it's predominantly used in agriculture as a high nitrogen fertilizer. Right. It's going to be a lot more efficient than, say, right, manure. Um, and we produce a shitload of this stuff because it's useful. Um, the last that I could find was 21.6 million tons produced in 2017 just by the U.S., just just by us. Right. And the other thing is explosives. Now, not all explosives are going to be right a, a military application because we got plenty of other shit that we got to blow up to do a job and so in its role as an explosive you're going to find that material right ammonium nitrate in 
quarries and civil construction, coal mines. And it's in that form going to more often appear as ANFO. And uh, that is a commonly used industrial explosive. And it accounts for, what is this, 80% of explosives used in North America. And that's, that's, that's saying something, right? This is a trusted go-to explosive when you need to open up a coal vein, when you need to demolish a building. Uh, and different formulations have been used in improvised explosive devices. And now that's going to be your, your domestic terrorism, war fighting, really anything like that. So let's see. Yeah. So to kind of touch on how do we know that this is ANFO and how to, and not ammonium nitrate. Um, yeah. So I went back and I actually found the logs of the Rosos showing what they were actually carrying. And so mm-hmm. they were sailing from Georgia, the country, to Mozambique carrying, I don't think we've stated this yet, but 2,750 tons of mm-hmm. ANFO in one ton bag. So there's 20 you know, give or take, what is that, 200 bags? 2,000 bags? Sorry, Jesus. 2,000 yeah. bags of this in there. Um, and so wow. it was being sent to a company called Fabrica de Explosives in Maputo. Um, basically, it's, it's like the uh, east side of the city. Um, and it was, it was being sent to an actual explosives company to you'd be used in, you know, Mozambique and surrounding areas as exactly that mining or, you know, whatever they want to use that as an industrial compound. Um, Right. No, no violence or aggression intended. It's a, it's a tool. At at least in, in the initial, um, you know, the, 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 the reason it was on the ship was not nefarious. I bet that anybody can kind of find now why Lebanon and we kind of go back to it was being super corrupt. Why would Lebanon want to hold that much explosives um, for really any reason? Right. Not- and I guess for a bit more context, um, you, people might remember the West Texas fertilizer plant explosion. That's a place where this material is made. And I, I, I don't have the number in front of me, but a couple, you know, a couple hundred tons blew this fertilizer plant off the map. And in the Oklahoma City bombing, Timothy McVeigh, he didn't have much. It was what he yeah, could fit like in that van. Yeah, I think he had two tons, 4,000 pounds, and basically blew half of the that federal building, you know, apart. Right. And those those pictures are shocking. And I, I think that it's a good... It's a good kind of precursor to this discussion because this is a discussion about an explosion and it's just exponentially more of this material involved this time. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me throw you this, this little curveball here. Um, so, you know, kind of talking on why they left this in that warehouse for so long. Um, like I said, we know that Lebanon is extremely corrupt country uh, with direct ties to Hezbollah. So if anybody doesn't know, Hezbollah is a major terrorist organization um, operating in, you know, basically anywhere that they, they can kind of get their hands on anything to, you know, create destruction, mainly in like Syria. Uh, they work with the Iran government, um, actively f- uh, fight against the Israelis. Um, so this kind of makes you think, well, and, and does this make you think, do they keep all of these, this explosive, right? It's not fertilizer. Do they keep this explosives for the intent of using it as terrorists or, you know, as a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Hezbollah has, you know, said has used it in the past. Um, and I had a, I had read a couple interesting things that uh, in 2015, the MI5 and London Metro Police um, found three tons of ammonium nitrate in a, a London storehouse. And mm-hmm. in uh, 2020, German officials found hundreds of kilos of ammonium nitrate in storehouse. All of those storehouses directly tied to Hezbollah militia, uh, you know, militants. So what do you think? You think it could have the, you know, the Lebanese government is kind of sponsoring terrorism or do you think? Um... Well, unfortunately, it, it wouldn't be the first time. Right. Um, but my reservations here, not being an expert, is if if Beirut was their intended target, I feel like staging that just um, to, to put it scientifically think... metric fuckload of info that's going to be a difficult thing to distribute, right? Because it's heavy and you've got to have things to contain it in. And it's pretty stable, but it's not super stable. And Israel hasn't ever had an issue going to bat with, with Hezbollah. And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, dozen in one hand that I don't remember that phrase, but yeah, you know, yeah, so I don't I, – I've been pitching that. I don't believe that's a thing. Like I kind of said before, I think it's a mm-hmm. gross, um, you know, mismanagement of, of crazy material. And here's the kicker is, is that fire reportedly started in a cargo uh, container and then moved to what they uh, – seems to be stored in the same exact building, fireworks, right? So mm-hmm. um, I had read something that – uh, Anfo could be detonated by um, uh, what was that I was telling you earlier about? Right, Tan- we yeah, Tannerite. So, um, Tannerite. We we were talking about this a while back, and something that's important to keep in mind when you're looking at events like this, be it terrorism or negligence, is pretty much any explosive compound, no matter how stable, it needs something else to give it that kick to explode. Right, C4 on its own, if you punch it, if you shoot it, it's not going to do anything. It needs a blasting cap. So what, what does it take to get ANFO to explode? And is a firework even capable of doing that? Yeah, so if it is true, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a scientist. I don't know any of this shit. But if it's Mm-mm. true, I read that Tannerite couldn't set off ANFO. And I am actually quite familiar with Tannerite because... Yeah, what is it? Um, it is a, it's a, it's sold commercially within uh, certain states of the United States as a target, right? It's called an exploding target. Um, it's not exactly explosives. It's right. Oh, they, they sell it in those buckets, the like orange yeah. buckets. You just go buy it and shoot it. Right. Yeah. It comes in like two parts. You got to mix the two. So it comes in like a, like it honestly looks like fertilizer, a white part and a gray part. That gray parts in like a smaller package. You sprinkle the gray stuff in the white stuff and you shake it up. Uh, and then you back up and you shoot it and it goes boom, right? It's just like the perfect redneck thing. Um, yeah, perfect fun. Well, there yeah. was a story a couple of years back that there was going to be a gender reveal party. You know, you cut the cake, is it blue or pink? But it was definitely some rednecks. And they were going to shoot this tannerite that was going to send up all this confetti of one color so that people would know the gender of the baby. And it ended up killing a bunch of them. I mean, that's, I mean, I was, I was all on board to participate in that until that last little bit. Until you got blown up. Right. Sounds like perfectly good fun. Yeah. So I've, I've shot Tannerite tons of times. It is good fun. Uh, nearly started a forest fire. That's a story for a different time. 
Maybe uh, don't say so, that on the open air. What's the statute of limitations? I, I didn't. I was responsible person. Had a fire extinguisher ready to go. Okay, um, good, good. But anyway, so tannerite is not technically an explosive. I don't know what they categorize it as, but it's not an explosive. It's a super slow, for be- lack of a better term, explosion. Um, mm-hmm. Now, why does, you know, finger quotes, why does shooting it make it explode? Why doesn't it explode when you dump it in the back of your car? So it needs a certain certain inertia to set it off, right? So like you said, you can't. I can't hit it with a hammer and set it off. It needs... Um, something more powerful, something that has a bigger shock wave. And that's how it's set off is by shock wave and not by the okay. actual bullet hitting it. So um, I don't know the numbers behind it or any of that. So back in the day, you had to have a high powered rifle to shoot it. So, you know, anything moving super fast would set it off, but now they've kind of dialed it in. You can shoot it with something real slow now and set it off. Uh, but anyways, the reason I bring up Tannerite is after shooting it for, you know, numbers of times, and having fun with fireworks on, you know, holidays and stuff, they are two very similar things. Um, the explosions are very similar. Um, so I can, I can honestly see how a firework, and especially if it was industrial-grade fireworks, you know, like those big Fourth of July ones that, you know, Right, the giant like, mortar tube, they control yeah, them with computers. Yeah, the huge ones that when they explode, it's like, you know, 100 meters of, you know, of lights and stuff. I can, I can completely see that being able to detonate ANFO, if that is true, that Tannerite could do it. Um, so I, I can buy that as, as far as being the detonation and, and that being, you know, a non-nefarious thing. Um, but what I can't find is anybody talking on how a fire started. Um, so I think that's just an interesting bit there. Okay. So we're, we're unsure of whether or not a firework could have detonated this. Or we're not even sure why fireworks would have been being lit in the first well, place. But, like, we know they were there because in a lot of these videos, when you're watching this, you know, it looks like a mushroom cloud going up. You can see the little, like, flickers inside of it of the fireworks that were detonated as a result or detonated first. But you can see them within this big cloud, right? Yeah. So, like, if you go back and there's like a, a, a Chinese firework um warehouse or factory that that catches fire and it looks very similar eventually the chinese firework factory like gets really like it just looks like a ton of you know fireworks going off Mm -hmm. um in the beginning of the beirut videos you just see a giant plume of smoke and then you start seeing some fireworks go off so it'd be interesting to see what you know i didn't i don't know you tell me i didn't see fireworks going off the entire stint of that first part of the video before the explosion well, the, the trouble with looking at those videos is they all, for the most part, I guess there was that one video of, it was like a security camera in an office building. And we'll, we'll have to come back to that one because it shows something very interesting. But a lot of this video, you only get the first few seconds, minutes of the explosion because it was massive enough that the wave it sent out was going to affect anybody filming or not filming civilians um in a in a huge radius yeah so i think the longest video that i saw it shows it never shows the start of the fire or like the first what i can probably see is maybe 30 or 40 seconds this video that i'm referring to is the person obviously starts to see the see the large plume of smoke 
mm-hmm. um, and then starts videoing and then it, you know, maybe lasts 20, 30 seconds. And then you start to see like the flashes of the smaller fireworks starting to go off. Right. Um, of the massive detonation. Um, so I just wonder how did the fireworks start? And then you kind of get into who the fuck decided to put fireworks in the same building as 3000 tons of explosives. Who thought that? Right. Well, and it, it honestly, that's why this is such a tricky one to think about. And we might end up having to make a part two to this a year from now when new details come about. But this explosion was huge. Most people don't know that this can happen. And so we're going to jump on that easy explanation of, okay, fireworks did it because we can't comprehend this, this devastation. But I do wonder, you know, in my mind, it would make more sense that this massive energetic explosion would have detonated or lit, I suppose, the fireworks as opposed to the reverse of that. Even if the fireworks were next to this stockpile, I suppose, how, you know, how would that have detonated it? So I'm thinking that it was, like you said earlier, a mortar or something of a big concussion went off. And that if I'm looking, I've looked up videos of like, you know, massive amounts of info being transported. And it's not like in like secure 50 gallon drums for what I can see. It's in like, you know, those imagine like a giant bag of rice with an open top. Yeah. It looks like, um, like charcoal briquettes. If you're, if you're a grill person. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not like in a protected thing. So it's a, a thin layer of, of fabric between, whatever is on the outside in this explosive. So in my mind, if, if one of those mortars got shot off into that, um, into, you know, into the info and then detonated. So, you know, it's, it's just like a mortar it goes poof. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, waits, t- you know, 10, 15 seconds. And then it does the big explosion. I'm thinking that that could have, you know, very well set it off. And I've read something interesting that info is actually used sometimes to put out fires, yeah, like when a um, like when an oil rig is burning. Yeah, exactly. right. Because they can't put it out because this oil is still gushing to the surface. They can't stop the oil. They can't dump water on it because the oil is just coming out and getting lit immediately. And so they'll put a small industrial explosive as close as they can to the source of this fire. And when they detonate it, it just sucks up all the oxygen and puts out the explosion like snuffing a candle or the, the fire, like snuffing a candle. Yeah. So let's move into the actual blast, right? Okay. It was impressive, right? So I've spent a lot of my professional career around explosives. I'm not an explosives expert by any mean, um, but just by being in the army for a while, I have seen a lot of explosions and this is something that I have never seen before. Uh, it was insane. And, and the coloration of it was strange, too. You, you, I remember you remarking to me about how that initial red smoke gave you the, the tip-off that this wasn't your average uh, event, right? Yeah, so I went and I'm, I'm uh, it's kind of a hobby to read international news for me. Um, right. We're, saw- we're both complete news, news sluts. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not too interested in the domestic stuff. I, I'm really interested in the foreign things. Um, so this, I pretty much got notifications immediately after the blast. So this blast happened around 
six uh was 6 p.m local time um mm-hmm. so i was on my phone and i had contacted a buddy who is an explosive expert and i was like dude what is that red stuff and he said he said that without a you know hesitation he's like man that he went and watched the video he says that's info you know he's he, he said we used to blow that stuff up blow that stuff up in afghanistan all the time they would confiscate it from um basically anywhere or just find it as, mm-hmm. you know, as part of uh they call them hmes homemade explosives okay. and they would just pile it together, detonate it, and that is exactly what you see. Um, it's not exactly the highest grade info, uh, higher grade. So did you happen to watch the Mythbusters? You brought it up earlier, the Mythbusters where they blow up that boat. The boat? No, I'm thinking, like, you and I both loved Mythbusters growing up. I'm thinking back to the cement truck, oh, I believe. Yeah. So I, I don't Yeah, know they used info in the cement truck, right? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, but the lower grade the info the more red or maroon it is so it's not high quality stuff that you may get here in the states it was you know kind of budget you know budget friendly info if you want to call it that Mm -hmm. Um, but the next thing you you kind of see is the massive shock wave or what people Mm -hmm. think is i mean it's a visible shock wave um right no you can see it People, people saw mushroom cloud and started jumping on the, oh, is this a, a, a nuclear explosion? Uh, did you do any research on what the mushroom cloud was or is? Well, you know, I believe you and I talked about it and explosions are something that we, we kind of have a colloquial understanding of by watching the news, by watching movies. And what we see is something blows up and, you know, the whoever gets thrown back and there's debris, but it's so much more complicated than that. Uh, so I'm a nationally certified EMT and it's like the lowest level of medical training. Like I'll, I'll totally grant you that. But we, one of the hardest things I had to wrap my head around was understanding the mechanisms of injury for people that are near an explosion. And it's, it's actually kind of counterintuitive. So I pulled up this, I'm on cdc.gov looking at like mass trauma events and for blast injuries, they say that, uh, I'll just, I'll go verbatim here. The four basic mechanisms of blast injury are termed as primary, secondary, tertiary, and quaternary. Now blast wave, that's primary. That's what we saw early on. And that is an intense overpressurization impulse created by the detonation. Let me, let so, me pause you there. So yeah, go for it. The, the visible wave that people saw that looked like a mushroom cloud. Now that is when the explosion condenses the air and basically makes a cloud of itself and it pushes itself out and you can, and then past that it kind of dissipates and disappears. But what's really awesome that you can see and as you know, terrible as it is, but it's still awesome, is you can see that wave push the clouds in the sky, move the clouds, dissipate the, mm-hmm. you know, the clouds are already there. And then the insane thing that I saw is it, ANFO is relatively slow explosive. It's not like C4 where it's a really fast explosive. It's a very mm-hmm. slow explosive. And you could watch it rip up buildings as it moved. Um, very right. So what was like, what would somebody experience or what happens to somebody when that wave hits them? Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a fun, it's not a fun thing to learn about and to think about 
So like I said, it's an overpressurization impulse. And so what that is going to look like is internal organs that are hollow, right? So uh, when, when I was learning, right, you had your solid organs that are all meat, you know, your liver, your kidneys, but then you've got hollow organs and those spill their goo. So there you're looking at spleen, gallbladder, and also lungs. Now, lungs, for the most part, are occupied by air, but there's also this surfactant um, that we produce, and it kind of just lubricates the lungs for their own, uh, you know, movements because we breathe. But when that primary blast wave hits you, it, it crushes those, those organs. And so you're going to be looking at collapsed lungs, blown eardrums, you're going to have your, these people like you'll, you'll bleed from your ears. And if you're lucky, you'll live, but you're going to have collapsed lungs, internal bleeding. You're going to have all of the, you know, different bile that's stored in these hollow organs. That's now just in your body. And that takes a trauma surgeon to sort out. It's, it's, it's so much more nefarious than, you know, debris and burn injuries. Yeah, explosives are something crazy, and I think as as of this recording, we're somewhere around 200 death toll, um, and that's six days. And in my mind, or from what I can see, that number is very low. Uh, there's no way they've even been able to kind of even start counting bodies there at the the uh, the explosion site. I think that kind of comes; those body counts are coming from broken down buildings, huge rubble from, you know, up to two miles away, there was massive amounts of rubble. Uh, I think that's where most of those death counts coming and they hadn't even started to count what happened actually at the, you know, the Harbor or the, um, where the explosion happened, because as you can see in those before and after pictures, there's nothing, nothing even there. I mean, if right. somebody standing there at the warehouse trying to fight that fire, like those firefighters might have been, those people probably don't exist anymore. Yeah, they're going to just be in the ether. Um, yeah. But also, like you said, they're still going to keep finding bodies in this rubble for, unfortunately, probably days, weeks to come. But also, it is possible to survive initially an injury like that. But those people are in ICU right now experiencing complete organ failure. They're going to be on ventilators. They're going to be intubated and put in a you know, medically induced coma. And that's just, you know, we talked about primary wave, right? Now, after the primary, which is that initial, like, really freaky looking, like, wind, you're going to have the secondary and that would be your, your shrapnel, right? So a hand grenade, it's designed to put out bits of metal at high velocities in every direction. But in this case, that's going to be glass from windows, you know, sight, metal siding from buildings, cars. And that is a little bit easier to understand. But also, you've got the tertiary. And this, is, this shouldn't be discounted. The tertiary is what you're going to see most common in like movies or something. And that is going to be individuals that are thrown by the blast wind. So if your lungs aren't crushed and if you don't get a stop sign through your head, you're, you're going to then get thrown 10 feet back and land on your ass. And that's going to be a really shitty injury to, to deal with. 
Yeah, there's one of those videos that this guy is the closest video that I've seen. He's probably I don't know how far he is. I would guess a quarter mile, maybe that. And I'm wondering, there's no way that guy, that dude's alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, just you can. That was the video that I initially showed you of that roof and that building just kind of getting lifted up and disintegrated. Gone. I have no idea. You know, I don't know if somebody found his phone or if that guy miraculously made it out. Good to him, man. He's a fighter because I don't, man, that was that's heavy. Yeah, and so like my medical understanding kind of taps out here because what what I was trained for would be things frequently encountered, you know, a, a propane tank or something. Um, it should also be said that quaternary injuries um, are really any explosion related injuries. So if you have a pre-existing condition, right, say you've got um, you've had a heart attack and so your heart's not firing on all cylinders, say you've got diabetes and all your shit just got rocked. I think those are going to begin racking up that body toll because those people are either trying to piece together their lives or they're presently in the hospital. And unfortunately that's a days or a week's thing. And those numbers are going to start adding up. But I I also wanted to bring up you, you talked to your buddies with EOD experience and we watched this one video from the explosion that I really had a hard time understanding and it was one of a security camera uh, in what looked like an, an office or a, a storefront. And you watch it and you see the initial wave, right? It blows out the glass and it takes the door, takes a, you know, a door to this building off its hinges and throws it into the room. But then a couple seconds later, the door gets up and it gets thrown back out the door frame. And so my understanding kind of tapped out, you know, way before this. So do you want to explain what that was? Yeah. So you're watching the actual, so like when you talked about the, the cloud that was created, like that humidity cloud that's created by the explosion, something you can watch move across the ground. And so what that is, is it's moving through that, that street or whatever. And just think of it like a, like a piece of, I don't know, a, a piece of paper almost. So you're moving it in front of you. You see the front of the piece of paper. It passes in front of that door, blowing the door in, right? It's a gust of wind. It blows the door in with some extreme force. Uh, I know the video you're talking about. You kind of see like a store worker kind of get up and be like, what the hell was that, right? And like I said before, Anfo is a fairly slow explosive. And I don't have any idea how far that person was or that that video was from the explosion, but the yeah. further you get from the explosion, the slower the explosion is, right? So mm-hmm. if he was a mile and a half or, you know, whatever it was, uh, it's going to be slower. So you're right. You can see a definite, you know, the first thing happened and then the second thing happened. That second thing happened is the wave moving past that door and then sucking, like is it, it needs air to be pushing that, that, uh, that wave forward. It's sucking the door and everything in it, you know, further out. So that kind of goes back to those old school um, nuclear explosions that you kind of see, you kind of see those houses get pulled towards the explosion. And right. We've all seen the stock footage in different movies and news broadcasts of these fake towns that they would build in New Mexico and then nuke. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess another good way to kind of, uh, if anybody's been in in the ocean and you're standing at, you know, kind of towards the, where the waves are at, you can kind of feel that wave 
pulling you in and then it pushes you. It's very similar to that. Um, so it's almost like a cavitation necessary for that much energy to be traveling yeah. that at, at the speed that it is. Yeah, and that's the reason why a lot of explosions, you can die. Uh, like you said, your lungs can get you know vaporized because it sucks the air out from you. It needs mm-hmm. that air to be pushing it, and it takes it from everywhere. So it took it, it took, it, um, takes from everywhere. And I saw something, you know, somebody said it was a nuclear blast, you know, fairly soon after. Um, a nuclear blast, a reason why it kills so many people on the ex- initial explosion is it truly does vaporize people, right? It uses extreme heat um, mm-hmm. to kill somebody. And that's why it's not, like, you know, it's pretty clear that it was not a nuclear thing. You'd see a lot higher death toll just by pure heat exchange being uh, used to to you know as a, to kill people right but i'm glad that you mentioned the the nuclear uh concept to this because somebody who has no you know they're they're not like we are they don't seek these kinds of stories out that was a mushroom cloud oh yeah you know? like i thought i mean shoot i i be like i said before i'm around explosions quite often i'm like damn man that was a definite tactical nuke um, going off. Um, it actually, I, I looked up, I found I was really trying hard to see the numbers on what, how info compares to other explosives. Right. Um, right. and I was able to find basically, I don't know if I'll be able to pull it up right here off the bat, but the, the amount of info there. So I'm just going to round up here just to make it easier to say 3000 tons of info, um, has a very close yield to a tactical nuke, uh, which I really, it, I mean, it's a little far off, um, but explosions would be, you know, to an untrained eye would, would seem fairly similar. Yeah. Damn. Oh, here we go. Okay. So here's what I got. So, um, this explosion, give or take would be two kilotons rated two kilotons. The bomb dropped on Hiroshima, the little boy yielded 13 to 18 kilotons so i mean it's a it's a difference but to even be on the same scale as a nuclear blast is very incredible yeah damn so that that just kind of shows you that's that's actually a good contextual reference point of how much energy was was going out here and it's insane it's really hard to comprehend i mean just those those videos are you know an amazing representation of uh, of what an explosion is because very rarely do you get an explosion and be able to see that type of destruction. I mean, because like you brought up, you said like all those, those fake towns they built in New Mexico to blow up um, to test nuclear blasts um, that it's a fake town. This was, this blew up a real city yeah. and, and, and angles and that you would never be able to see before. So like, you know, Hiroshima, you saw it from the plane, right? The explosion right. go off. Here you saw it from the city, which is yeah. ne- on, on some poor mean. guy's cell phone. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, prayers to them, and hopefully they made it out. But you, you just never know. Yeah. All right, so let's kind of move into the consequences. Like, what what does this explosion mean? So we have the obvious thing saying, all right, people died from the explosion, um, but now what? Mm-hmm. Um, so here's here's a couple things that I pulled up. Um, so like we continue to say, Lebanon, pretty corrupt government. So it has a plummeting economy, right? The, before the explosion, the Lebanese government defaulted on a $1.2 billion loan from the International Monetary Fund in March. Uh, so 
already in pretty big trouble, obviously having money issues. And it's reported already to be six, six to eight billion dollars in damage, uh-huh. um, let alone not even the life. You know, that's just a infrastructure, which, you know, is an insane amount yeah. of money. Well, um, I mean, that much infrastructure being destroyed is going to have ramifications for years to come. Oh, 100%. One of the main buildings that I don't think people realize what it is, it's like the main electrical hub of the city. Oh, um, shit. Major electrical issues, which, you know, if you're trying to run hospitals and you have all these people injured and still getting sick from this COVID thing, um, it's just not good. You obviously want your electricity to be running at top notch, which it wasn't even before the, before the explosion. And then the, the IMF, the international monetary fund also reported um, is predicting that the additional fall of Lebanese economy by 12% by the end of the year. So that's again, that's, that's before the explosion. Um, So Beirut and Lebanon is just hurting immensely already. Um, and then this happens. And then this happened. They had a, a skyrocket, 89% inflation. Lebanese pound saw an 80% drop in the last, since last October. So not only are these people hurting from this explosion, but they're desperately hurting from financial struggles of the entire country. And people are talking, starting to talk about failed state. You know, is Lebanon even going to be able to survive? And I saw, you know, interestingly, the uh, France's prime minister flew in because, as you know, Lebanon was a French colony. Ooh. Um, oh, man. You know I love post-colonial history. Yeah, so there you go. So France, France prime minister flew in, promised to help. So I, I'm wondering what's going to happen. If it goes into a failed state, does France kind of step in and be like, all right, let's help these guys out, or are we going to take over? You know, what? I wonder. Yeah. And well, then, I mean – the last thing that – so you have big financial issues, right? That's bad news. Yeah, I mean those numbers are – they're short of, but they're on par with the kinds of numbers that the U.S. saw going into our Great Depression. It wasn't that great, but it was pretty bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, like these – they're, they're going to be hurting. Um, yeah. Not only are the numbers bad, but they, for to kick her off is now their main income source, which is that port is completely destroyed. There's not there can't be ships coming in and out of there for a while. And then you you from watching the videos, you remember that tall multi-story building next to the explosion? Yeah, it looked to me like a, an office or a or a hotel or something. Yeah. So actually what it was, it was grain silos. And oh. Yeah, exactly. So that grain silo housed 80 85% of Lebanon's grain storage. So you're talking about massive amounts of food no longer viable. And now during these times of COVID, really nobody is having a whole lot of excess food um, or the means to even ship it there because now, of course, their ports destroyed. So these guys are just having one bad day after the next. Yeah, that's a motherfucker. Yeah, it's rough. Um, so what else, what else you got? Anything that last kind of closing comments on it? No, I just, um, I, I suppose moving forward, uh, it's unfortunately, I, I think we're going to be seeing those, those death numbers rising. And I, I hadn't even given any thought to the hit their economy is going to take from losing this major port. 
And I mean, I, I pulled it up quickly because I wanted to sound educated when when talking about this. But another major port that might be a good reference for a lot of people is in California. A shitload of shipping happens there. And let me, I don't know, I'm, I'm on the port of Los Angeles right now. And let's see, 2009, $196 billion. You know, that's that's huge. And that's one port in our giant country. Lebanon is smaller. They're already suffering from previous governmental fuck-ups. And this is going to be a bummer. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, they had the initial, let's just call it injury from the explosion, right? That would, that would rock any, that would rock the United States, uh, something mm-hmm. that, that crazy. Um, and then you have the lasting side effects of not being able to make money. You are already in a money crisis. Um, and then you have all of these people out of work again because of, of uh, COVID. So, yeah. you know, you know, there's never a good time to have something like this happen, but this was the worst time for something yeah. like this to happen. Um, I kind of want to close out here, unless you have anything else. Uh, you know, no, except you did give me an idea for a future episode. You said tactical nukes, and buddy, there is a delightful and dark history of nations completely losing track of very small nuclear devices that were never again accounted for. You know what? I, have, I know a little bit about this, but you, let's put it on the list because I think you're right. That's a good one. Yeah, we'll um, put a pen in it. All right, so let me close this out. Let me say a few things on if you anybody, if anybody happens to listen to this, anybody feels the need to donate to, you know, kind of help out the Lebanese people, um, do not donate to anything besides the Red Cross. Uh, like we've said, kind of, we've kind of beaten the horse here, but the Lebanese government is massively corrupt. And actually yeah. today, I don't know if you saw this, all of the Lebanese federal government has stepped down. Oh, um, shit. They're set down. So now, I mean, the corrupt government, but now they have no government. So that kind of throws another wrench into the mix there. But mm-hmm. what I'm kind of getting at is um, we don't want this. You're, you're hard-earned money to go to some rich dude's pocketbook so he can, you know, not give it to the people in need. Um, so, so we can fuck uh, up fireworks storage again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So go ahead and if you feel the need, I would donate to the Red Cross. I'm sure. I don't know for sure, but I'm sure they have some way of you donating. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's not give the corrupt people any more money if yeah. we could. And, and right. moving forward, it's possible that there might be, you know, some show notes or something. We could provide links like that. But in the meantime, uh, this was number one. It was not super optimistic. But how's that Buffalo Trace treating you? You know what? I finished it and I'm, my bottle's gone, unfortunately. Ooh, yeah, that's a bummer. I am about to polish off my glass of bullet, and I think that's about time to call it. All right. Hope everybody has a safe one and enjoy your night. Yep, everybody take care.